Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We're converting people one stomach at a time to what fresh food can taste like. You use whatever you can use and respect every bit of it. You know, if it's in season, you use it. We need to study and we need to read and we need to know about our region and what it's doing before we can start putting things on dishes. Hello, Stefan Postuma here for another episode of the Quicksand Food Connection. Today I talked to Steve Hogwood from the 1910 Bottling Company in Wilds Meadow. Steve produces enzymatic and probiotic foods, pickles, kombuchas, kefirs, and fermented products through the 1910 Bottling Company. He's a very passionate guy, and he contributed not only a feature, but also a recipe to the Southern Highlands cookbook. So I hope you enjoy our conversation. Steve Hogwood, thank you very much for contributing to this publication, mm, being a welcome. part of it. Very it's great welcome. to have you involved. And um, as we were talking about before, what you do is very unique to a publication like this, but it's also a unique, you know, a unique group of skills and experience and knowledge that, that's a, that's acquired over time. And um, you know, and I think the best way to give people an idea of what you do is to let you talk about exactly what it is. So. What is the 1910 Bottling Company? What do you do and how did it all begin? The 1910 Bottling Company started about six years ago in Wilds Meadow, where we're sitting at the moment. And it came out of a frustration of not being able to buy organic food. And that was in the early days in Australia of organic food, when things were just... They were, people like Phil Lavers of Moon Acres, who I've known you already spoken to, i just met him and... He's a certified organic grower down here. And I started to produce clean food and also teach people that it's not hard to produce this sort of food at home. And then I got all the excuses like, well, I haven't got time. Well, you you need to find time <laughs> to eat decent food because what you're eating at the moment is absolute crap. So you know, most of the food out there was just absolute bloody bollocks it was just rubbish and so when I started producing this food I realized that there was a serious market for it but unfortunately in this country there is a couple in in those days there were a few issues one was the cost of bringing that food to market and also the ignorance out there people were saying well what's all this stuff you know what's organic food well I'm eating organic food already and I used to have these conversations at Everly markets and North Sydney markets and um, what are the other market I used to do? Um, Star City, I did that market, and Fox Studios did that market as well. And I built up a really good brand. It really started to get some traction. Though I was finding it very hard competing with cheap imports because people were still not um, 
sophisticated enough to really understand what organic food was. And then I got sick, um, really sick. And so we started down the enzymatic fermented food route because it was something I could assimilate, it was something I could eat. And I started to really enjoy the food. Then I combined my knowledge prior of organics and then brought in fermented products and realized that a fermented product had a lot more uh, nutritional value and a lot better for you uh, than the dead food that we tend to eat all the time. And so I started doing some study in this space and realized that this was a real passion and this is something I wanted, wanted to explore further. I closed 1910 down about three years ago under its original banner, uh, as I said, because of health reasons. And I've always had a, uh, uh, I've always wanted to bring it back again because it's such a good brand. People still ask me about it. Is 1910 going to come back again? I'm going to say, I'm saying to them, yes, it is, but it'll be under a different, uh, a different set of rules this time and it will be very much fermented uh, enzymatic foods and Australian made too that's another thing um, there's not going to be any local and imported product on my on my labels it's all mm. going to be local produce um, and it's something I'm very very passionate about and it's interesting that fermented foods are nothing new they've been around for around about six and a half thousand years and the Japanese are uh, are absolute masters in this space and it's something that I want to study further in fact I want to go to Japan next year and I want to study it uh, study off the masters the people that have been doing it for thousands of years um, unfortunately the Japanese have also um, decided to take on a western diet now <laughs> so all that wonderful knowledge is slowly being lost so I'd like to sort of glean some of that before it's pretty much gone forever because the younger Japanese are just getting into Western, anything Western is kind of cool. Same with the Chinese. Um, their diets very much fermented diets as well. I mean, we take things for granted like miso. It's a fermented food. Um, bean curd, it's a fermented food. Uh, the Japanese, uh, through all their foods, is, is, is there's a lot of fermented foods. And we're starting to rediscover things like kimchi. Um, but unfortunately, we've been tainted a little bit because some of the previous fermented foods like kimchi that we've been able to get hold of was absolutely diabolically it was just crap it was rubbish mm. in a bottle um now they're starting to you go to restaurants now like james at biota and he produces it fresh within his kitchen so it's a live pre and probiotic food and it's absolutely delicious it should just melt in your mouth mm-hmm. so why did i get into this uh really started because of health reasons and before, this has always been very fad-driven. Kampuchea's had a couple of different uh, fad periods. One was in the late 60s, early 70s. And it came back again, I think, in the late 70s, early 80s. It was kind of very then. I really hope this time round that the younger generation will embrace fermented foods because it's had a couple of goes before. Yep. Mainly kombucha, kefir, you know, has had a couple of goes before. But I think the world has changed mm-hmm. dramatically. I think... Um, people are realizing that GMO is not something they want to be part of, that they don't want food that's adulterated, full of colorings. Kids are getting more allergies and issues as they as they are younger. It's getting younger and younger. Older diseases are becoming younger. And they're relating it back to gut health 
And obviously gut health is all about what you put in your mouth. Mm -hmm. What you eat and drink today is walking and talking tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So I think we have a responsibility as chefs uh, and and gastronomes to educate and say to people that this is not a fad. This is not, you know, I know you when you walked into this kitchen, you it looked a bit like Dante's Inferno with all the <laughs> all the weird jars with, you know, valves on them and all this sort of stuff. But really, it's it's what a kitchen would have looked like uh, probably a hundred years ago, mm -hmm. possibly more, when they used to do a lot of the fermentation within the big kitchens and the big houses. It's 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 nothing new. Yeah. So I'm hoping this will be sustained. I hope that the, uh, the this generation and the next generation will embrace it, and uh, will get rid of you know fast foods and fizzy drinks and all that sort of stuff and get into real back to real mm. food again when you tried some kaffir cheese today mm. with um, some fresh uh, chives chopped on the top and uh, with some really nice crusty sourdough bread i mean basic what i call uh, comfort food yeah but delicious exactly beautiful absolutely delicious and i mean i i know that the vast majority of my friends would absolutely love to eat a, a a dish like that, kaffir cheese with some pickles and things like that. It's the, it's the type of food we like to eat. You wouldn't even have to tell them that it's got good bacteria in it that's going to help them. They'd eat it anyway because it's so delicious. Well, I've, I usually serve it up and then afterwards I say to them, do you realise what you've eaten? And they go, no, what? You know, thinking that I'm poisoned with something. I say, well, you've just eaten a, a, um, a probiotic. Yeah, so when I serve this sort of food up sometimes, especially to my students, I serve up proper kombucha, double fermented food i'd actually put on a, a lunch for my students so that gives them a little taste mm -hmm. of of the food and also the opportunities because it's it's much bigger than kombucha and it's much bigger than kefir you can get into cultured vegetables uh, you can even ferment fruit as, a, as you've seen today with double ferments with drinks so children don't have to have those horrible sugar-laden cordials and drinks um, you had some double fermented kombucha and uh, water kefir drinks today which are delicious and in fact when you steep strawberries especially really ripe strawberries it gets really sweet in fact you can actually make a cordial out of it which you can then water down if you mm. want to and put ice and fresh fresh mint with it or whatever why on earth wouldn't you drink that instead of this garbage that you buy in, in, in bottles fizzy stuff in bottles mm. it's like ginger beer you can make your own ginger beer it's easy to make yeah. at home kids love doing it I, I've taught kids this and they just get so into this you know they make ginger beer plants and they cut up pickles and they they think it's fascinating yeah it is and I think what you said before about you know the hope for people to be more aware of this in the future mm. which mm. which is something that's progressing now and you mentioned people like James um at Biota and, and other sort of well-known chefs, I think... In, I think we in, have a responsibility. We, yeah. uh, I, I really think within do. this, within this though, you know, and a lot of things, the, the well-known chefs who are sort of a part of the media or have cookbooks and, and things like that have the ability to break the ice for the public in, in these sorts of things. And you see it now on menus a lot more, things like, you know, using fermentation as a technique on a menu at a high-class restaurant that that they can then pass on that information to their customers who ask about it. And, and that sort of knowledge trickles down and then people start n like acknowledging, oh, okay, yeah, there's kombucha and, and, and there's kefir and, 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 and that sort of thing. That sort of thing's encouraging. But as you say, you also, 
you also are now starting to see in Australia more anyway things like kombucha on the shelves, things like kimchi coming back in a in a big mm, way in both mm, restaurants mm, and mm. Um, you know at a retail level. And yeah, it's definitely moving in a positive direction. Sort of people's awareness about um, gut health and and pro pro and prebiotics. I, I think I I believe actually it is it's going to be sustained because the medical profession now are realizing that um, there is something amiss with mm-hmm. our diets there's no doubt about it so I, I think this time it will be sustained because i think people are realizing that they're especially the medical profession are realizing that there is an issue at state here and now the medical profession uh have come out with a statement to say that there is a need as a balanced diet to eat enzymatic food mm-hmm. so they've actually come out and said that not in those words but very similar to those words and I have had new top nutritionists and GPs in my courses. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you who they are, exactly, but they're well known. And I've gone, oh, I know you. <laughs> yeah. Why are you here? And they've gone, well, I need to know about this. Yeah. I've had chefs come to me and say, I've got a chef at the moment, top chef who I'm talking to. He says, because there are certain things that I want to learn uh, that I don't really do very well uh, in the baking area, and especially in sourdoughs and they're again fermented products he does it particularly he's a brilliant baker i said well you teach me that and i'll teach you this so we actually we're actually cross-pollinating we're actually he's giving me the ip that i need and i'm giving him some ip as well and i think that's really important too i think the sharing of this and i'd really like to see this on my kitchen rules or those other you know uh, reality kitchen or food programs come on guys you know, let's get some let's get some enzymatic food yeah. happening in these sure. programs. Let's mix it up a little bit. You know. Yeah, I think it's also a continuation of this sort of clean eating trend that that you see at the moment with people acknowledging, you know, the value of eating things like whole grains and seeking out not just eating rice or or, or, or whatever and and you know looking at eating different sorts of diets that are beneficial for for health and and. It's it's a little bit more complex, sort of doing this sort of thing and fermenting foods and things. Even though it might be a simple process, it's a new it's a new step for people to learn, and it's a sort of a natural continuation of people being aware about their health and being aware about what people. Put well, into yeah, their they only know a little bit of the fermentation space. I think chefs are starting to realise that there's it's a much bigger uh, sandpit to play in food wise, and lots of opportunities there. Again, people like James have realized this and really starting to experiment in this space and then you've got the whole indigenous side of food as well which also interests me and i'm not talking about you know witchy grubs and things like that um i'm talking about the indigenous people of australia having an extraordinary repertoire of food that we've ignored for 230 years Mm -hmm. Uh, it's about time we started to embrace that and get over it because there's some stuff out there that is just amazing in this probiotic space like fermented um, grains, fermented seeds, uh, sprouted fermented uh, seeds. There's a whole range of space there that hasn't even been explored yet. Some of the bakers are starting to explore different cultures with different breads, but we're still in our infancy, in this country anyway. I think we we are trailing the world, unfortunately. But that's a good thing. I think... I think uh, there's been a few mistakes made overseas, and I don't think we'll make those here. I mean, yeah. GMO being one of them. So I'm, I'm hoping that uh, this will be sustained, and it'll hit mainstream. 
And, and when it hits mainstream, like when governments start to get behind it, and you're starting to see tuck shops and you're starting to see schools saying, no, we don't want that fizzy, that fizzy shit. We want something here that the kids are actually going to really enjoy, but it's good for them. Mm. Now, that's a real turnaround from, you know, mum there serving up slices of, you know, cake and donuts and fizzy drinks and all that sort of stuff. Devon and sauce. De- <laughs> that's all right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to, I've noticed that tuck shops don't have chips and that sort of stuff anymore. They're starting to serve up healthy food. It's true, yeah. Nutritional food. And that's not been driven, funny enough, by the education department. That's been driven by parents. Yeah. It's been driven by mothers, actually. Mm. That's who it's been driven by. Yeah, it's great. Um, and that's where I think the, the, the on-flow is going to come from, mm. is that early-life nutrition. I think that's... It's mothers. It's the, They're going to become the gatekeepers mm. of this. And I think perhaps when you start talking about fermented... Like, the word fermentation... Not everyone, especially people who aren't very educated about food, associates that with food production. And well, they think immediately be, it's got mold exactly. on it. It could sound off-putting, but once they realise not only the, the health benefits of it, but how good it can taste, that's something else that comes well, along. Well, that is the best way of doing it. And yeah. I think that's why chefs have a responsibility to actually bring this in part of their repertoire, because... You sit down and you've, you've enjoyed some soft kefir cheese today and you haven't tried the hard cheese, but you've had some fermented pickles. Now, they're all fermented product, which is alive. It's got a pre and probiotic in there. It's very good for your gut health, but it's still delicious. You, 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 you're not big, you don't have to become a zealot mm. to, to enjoy this sort of food. In fact, I think this food is much more enjoyable than the food that we've been dished up, excuse the metaphor, uh, to date mm. um, and it's it's the young chefs coming up that are now saying well, hang around um, I really would like to serve some of this food up because I'm actually helping the health if you like yeah. of future generations I mean it's the old the old McDonald's gener- the old McDonald's philosophy because I worked in fast food uh, for many years God forbid but I did and their whole philosophy then and I think it's still the same now is get them young yeah. food wise and then you get them young, they'll become like barrage balloons by the time they're 15, and they'll just get hooked on this dreadful rubbish they serve up in these places. Yeah. Uh, whereas with mothers now, younger mothers, especially when we've got sitting here today, they are the future of the way we eat. There's yeah. no doubt about it. And the majors like Woolies, Coles, all those big you know, big operators and the fast food outlets, they better watch out because if they don't listen to the new mums coming up through, they will go out of business very quickly. I mean, you've even got Maccas now. They're a bit lost with food. They don't, are they selling healthy wraps or are they selling chips or are they selling, they're kind of a bit confused as a brand at the moment. Then you've got Kentucky Fried Chicken or KFC because they didn't want to get the the name down to a, you know, a pseudonym. Um, But it's still fried chicken that's chickens that are hormone full of hormones and god knows what you mm. know i mean come on guys you know you don't have to be a vegan or a zealot to eat this sort of food it's yeah. just common sense yeah. and it's health related i think you could say there was a change when mac has put um put salad on the menu i mean you look at a traditional burger and i mean there is nothing like i'd have to say a really good homemade burger you get some really good sourdough or you get some really good uh, fermented bread or even unleavened bread and 
you make a hamburger the way it's supposed to be made, mm. and I mean a proper hamburger burger, not those horrible ugh, those things they use yeah. in those outlets. But you take a proper proper pate up, patty up, um, out of really good organic meat. Sorry, sorry about that. If any vegans are listening, um, <laughs> no, you, can take the, you can always take the meat don't worry out. About the vegans, we make meat cookbooks. Oh, do you? Okay, fine. <laughs> I can talk about meat. Good, excellent. <laughs> I like meat. So um, you make a really lovely meat, organic meat patty. Um, and you get some really fresh vegetables in there. You put some fermented pickles in there. You put a little smear in there of the uh, kaffir cheese, and you've got a delicious meal. Mm. So there's nothing wrong with the word burger. It's the way we've stuffed it up yeah, over exactly. the years. You know, so our interpretation of pickles are dead things in vinegar. Well, wrong. Eh. Japanese will tell you that you ferment your pickles because they are really delicious. Yeah, and they get better. Exactly. The Germans have been fermenting food for years. It's called sauerkraut. Yep. Before that, the uh, Chinese and the Asians were producing a sauerkraut because the Germans pinched it off them 600 years ago. So the Russians do some amazing sweet and savoury sauerkrauts, fermented food again, and they are delicious. Yeah. Absolutely delicious. Mm. Did you know you could get a sweet sauerkraut? I did, yeah. I think I've tasted it. A lot of people it. don't know that. Yeah. They're, they're quite delicious. Done, yeah. with, done with dried fruit and... Yeah, just just delicious. Sounds fantastic. Uh, and you can use starters like kombucha and kaffir, and you know, so if you want a creamy sauerkraut, you use a kombucha, uh, a kaffir. Yeah. If you want a slightly sharp, more acidic one, you use kombucha that's been around for a few weeks, and you get a really nice sharp sauerkraut. So you can dial it up or dial it down depending on your taste buds. That's it. And and people say to me, I haven't got time to do this, Steve. In my classes, they'd say, I've got time to do this. Look, I'm really busy. I said, but you're not busy enough to go down and get your cappuccino in the morning and your and your and your grilled banana bread, are you? You've got plenty of time to do that. Or you're gonna go and buy your smokes, or you're gonna go out to lunch. You've got plenty of time to do that, but you haven't got time to look after your health. Mm. Yeah. Explain that to me. <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting. And you've got kids. Uh, don't you have a responsibility there to give them the nutrition that they require? Even if you don't want to do it, you have a responsibility. It, or am I out of line here? Mm. No, it's definitely important. And I think um, as you say about education and you know m- young mothers pushing it and people learning more about it um one of the things you do is educate people about this these things you run um workshops or yes. classes yes. Uh, about about and and demonstrations about fermented food do you want to tell us a bit about that, yeah that yeah i um yeah thanks i will um i'm hoping to set up a teaching venue down in in the highlands i, I eventually want to do it here in wilds meadow but that'll be a little way off. But I'm looking for a teaching venue, uh, a regular teaching venue in the Highlands uh, that I can use um, probably twice a month or whatever. Um, and I also, I also looking for a place down here where I can teach children because I'm um, qualified to teach children. And I do that as, um, as a community service. I don't charge for that. And I do that up in Sydney. I do that at the community centre up in Sydney. I teach up there, but I also uh, give of my time uh, to the markets um, and to the organisations up there to teach people who can't afford a three, four hundred dollar course with a top chef. Mm-hmm. They can't. I've got that sort of money. So, but I want to get this across to the masses, and the only way to get it to the masses is to bring the cost of it down so they can actually become part of it. And then they will spread the message. And children are the best, you know, and mums, 
And I get a lot of mums in the class, I think, great, I've got a great audience here. I can convince them really quickly that what they're doing is the right thing. Mm-hmm. The older the older people, they're stuck in their ways, and they're usually there because they've had a health scare. Yeah, okay. And they all of a sudden they're finding it really hard to assimilate food, and it's really becoming quite difficult, yeah. and they've heard about this. So the courses are primarily in Sydney at the moment, but I am trying to set up a, a venue here, and also down in your neck of the woods too, down down the coast though I know Milkwood is doing an outstanding job down Mm. there I think I mean they do beekeeping courses they do permaculture they do a whole range of things and I know they do fermentation classes down there as well but I'd I'd like to just purely um, I guess just concentrate on the food or the nutritional side I mean you've got um, who's that Uh, Jamie Oliver I mean he's just he's just uh, doing a nutrition degree Mm. So it tells you that chefs now are not just chefs or, you know, putting something really nice on a plate. They are now becoming experts in the area of nutrition. So, yeah, the courses are really important. I will be uh, blogging and I will be putting up on the uh, 1910 website and the 1910 podcast more information on the courses and where they're being held, uh, both in Sydney and, and down here, and eventually in Wilds Meadow here, where I want to set up a, an agrarian-style kitchen teaching. Yep. And some of that time will be, you know, voluntary, where I'll get, um, you know, underprivileged groups and people like that in here where they can actually learn about this. Um, because it's, it's the old classic. The rich can afford to eat properly. Yeah. I know it's a terrible thing to say, but it's true. 80% of the population can't afford to eat good food, and that's why they eat crap. Yeah, it's true. It I know, it's, really it's, it's sad, you know. Yeah. You know, they can't afford to go to top restaurants. They can't afford to buy organic food because there's, there's an entry fee. Exactly. <laughs> but they can make fermented food at home. They can grow vegetables. They can gain that knowledge. They can eat better. And it doesn't have to cost a fortune. But it's just getting that education over, mm. you know. Um, so, yeah. I'm pretty, as you can see, I'm pretty passionate. Yeah, about no, that's great. Pretty and passionate a, about that. So. I think talking about, you know, the the people who can't afford to enter that sort of, um, you know, buying organic food and things like that is really important because, on a lot of levels, the people who are aware and are educated <clears throat> about about these sorts of things and want to take part um, in organic food or whatever it may be, you know. There's there's already decent awareness within that yes. that demographic. Yes, there is. And it's the challenge is to, to, to move that awareness onto, you know, the next the next level, the next level of, you know, income or whatever it may be. Those people that don't have the opportunities to learn that sort of thing. Well, you see, for a long time too, this area of uh, food has been a bit sort of Oh, it's fermented? What, you mean it's, it goes mouldy? Well, funny enough, some of the cheese that you eat is actually special moulds and, <laughs> and yeasts that they use to actually ferment the cheese. <coughs> but the ignorance is sometimes a little bit of knowledge can be dangerous. So to them, it's all a bit sort of weird and odd and um, you know, I don't really know a lot about it and I can't really find out a lot about it and I can't really afford to find out a lot about it. And so consequently, they teach their kids all the wrong habits um, and education is, um, is is really really important and I think it's something that should be taught in schools mm, for um, sure I, I it think is interesting I've always thought that like at my school <coughs> primary school and high school we didn't have any 
food education at all. Whereas we were forced to learn two languages that we didn't have to continue later on. And like, I think that knowing about your food is, is just as important as doing two years of German, which you may not continue afterwards. Well, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm absolutely gobsmacked at the lack of knowledge that children or young adults have on food. Uh, fortunately, my girls, my two daughters, we've always taught them about good food. You know, if you're going to buy food, buy good food. Don't buy rubbish. I think we have a responsibility to educate our children on food. But, mate, there's a lot of vested interests out there, money-wise, you know, who wouldn't want to see that happen in a big way because it kind of is going to cut a large hole in their bottom line. But personally, I'd like to see a large hole cut in their bottom line because our food logistics in this country is controlled by, as you know, a few major players mm. and that needs to stop the other thing that needs to happen is the red tape associated with certifying growers needs to be cut through and reduced so they can offer that produce to market in and around the same cost as somebody who that's saturates it with chemicals yeah, that's a very good point so you know we, we, we've got to get a grip on ourselves here if we want people to eat healthily then we're going to have to give them the opportunity to do so mm. education and giving them the opportunity to buy it at the right price. I mean, young mums, young couples, I mean, paying mortgages off there. One of them has to give up work sometimes because they've got to raise the children. Um, they might be lucky to be able to work at home, but they've got an income that's a, it's that's kind of chopped up very thinly. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, for probably the rest of their lives because, even, you know, I've got a 26-year-old and she still comes home. <laughs> yeah. She still visits us. You know, they don't just disappear mm-hmm. and they still need help and they still need financial help. Uh, so they're always around. So, you know, you've got to make this food, um, uh, you've got to make it sort of able to be put in the hands of the average Australian. Um, because at the moment, if it's cheap, it's full of fillers, colours, you name it. Uh, or you can buy pickles from Macedonia at $4 or $5 a jar, gherkins and, and, and onions and things like that, which is dead as a doornail. They might have some nutritional value in there, but they're very high in sugar. But they land them here for, for the next to nothing. Mm. So a local producer that wants to do a decent job on it can't actually compete. So there's there's a whole load of uh, things that need to change here. Um, one The other one is that community gardens, I think, are really, really important mm-hmm. too. And you know we've got quite a few down here in the Highlands. They need to start happening in the city more. Rooftop gardens, community gardens, using... S- Lots, you know, the spare space they've got in, in town, like they, they might have a couple of building lots empty. Don't plant a dead tree on it or whatever. Turn it into turn it into a community garden where people can actually um, grow food. Yeah. Well, why don't you do that? They do it in London. They do it in New York. Yeah. They do it on rooftops in, in, in Connecticut, in LA. Yeah, that's right. So, they actually are beginning to do it in Melbourne. Yeah, I know. What's, what's wrong with Sydney? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I have to say that Melbourne is a little bit more... Um, out there when it comes to food probably always has been to be mm. honest with you I think it might be the European influence there I don't know you know big Greek community big mm. Italian community I've always loved the food in Melbourne me too um, and I think you talk to most chefs they'll go yeah food's pretty good down there yeah. you know? <laughs> um, <clears throat> but Sydney's getting better it's yeah. getting better but we still won't embrace this well you know I live in this inner city well what's wrong with you growing some food on your roof yeah you know? yeah it's very true um to just change direction briefly, um, we shot two recipes today, um, parts of 
the 1910 products that you make. One that you, I'm actually, one that, one that I'm actually drinking one at the moment, quite, which is very nice. Yeah, yeah, it looks delicious, and I had a taste, and they're beautiful. Um, so, you know, firstly, do you want to tell us about these double fermented? Yeah, beverages? yeah, um, they're again a really simple, uh, refreshing drink that you can have at home, and something that you can teach your kids to you know grab anytime they want out of the out of the fridge. The only thing with probiotics, if you haven't been used to them before, you've got to be a bit careful when you start, all right? So, because what happens, you have what's called a die-off, and you all of a sudden your, uh, your gut starts to get a flora back into it again, and you get what's called a purging. And so you could be visiting the little room <laughs> a little bit more often than you expected. And that's not a bad thing because what it's doing, it's just like a, a natural form of Drano that's going <laughs> through you. Um, so what I say is with these drinks, they're, they're very, very good for you. Any pre or probiotic food is very, very good for you. And you have to have them together. You can't just have a probiotic and a prebiotic separately. The two work hand in hand. It's like having a garden the healthy garden to plant the probiotic in. That's how it works. Right. Prebiotic is the environment. Probiotic is what grows in that environment. So you need the two together. The people who take these these pills, tablets, capsules, I'm taking a probiotic cap- capsule. Yeah, well, you're just planting seed in a dead garden because yeah, it's not yeah. going to grow. So what these drinks do, I mean, they are, they're beautiful drinks. The two that we've had today, uh, one is a pineapple uh, infused in uh, kombucha. I've also I've also infused a little bit of wild honey in there as well. So it's got a slight sour sweetness to it. Um, the other one was a uh, a plum and passion fruit. Now that sounds really odd together, but you had the drink today. Mm. It really has a sort of a sweet sharp sort yeah, of beautiful taste to it. Um, children. Starting drinks off like that, probiotic drinks with kids, is a, it's probably not the first ones you'd give them. I would sort of err on the strawberries or raspberries. And the way you do it is you make your kombucha. And there is a recipe on my website or on my blog site. And if you haven't got one, contact me at 1910, 1910 Bottling Company, and I'll give you one. Um, you don't have to buy it. And I'll give you a really good recipe too. And you make a kombucha. And I usually let mine ferment for about probably a couple of weeks minimum um you let it go any further it gets quite acid uh and depending on your environment you know if you put it on the end of your kitchen table in the sunshine it's obviously going to ferment a lot faster than where i put mine on top of the fridge ambient light constant constant temperature um it depends on where you you're you're fermenting it in a kitchen you really want to put it low in a kitchen you don't want to put it high because hot air rises so it'll ferment a lot faster and you don't want it to ferment too fast because sometimes if it ferments too fast, it actually goes off. So slow, let it ferment at its own pace. So once you've got your kombucha, you decant the kombucha off because it's the scoby, that strange looking <coughs> white slimy alien thing that sits in the bottom of the jar. Uh, scoby stands for a symbiotic colony of bacteria and yeasts. And that little colony is a fungi. That's a scoby. And what, they, what that does is it actually through uh, fermentation, the scoby then converts the sugar over and produces uh, kombucha. So kombucha, when it's properly fermented, doesn't have any sugar in it. A lot of people ask me that. Or has it got sugar in it? Well, it did, but the fungi just ate it and produced kombucha. So if your kombucha still tastes a little sweet, it probably hasn't finished fermenting. If it's got a really lovely sort of soft but slightly sharp taste like apple cider, it's perfect. 
it's really on the on, that's where you want it yeah. if you let it go any further it'll become apple cider vinegar and you can actually use it for pickling so you take that kombucha at its sort of what I call green stage or young stage and then you infuse that with you can infuse it with anything whatever your favorites are but I would suggest with children you start off with uh, raspberries or strawberries mango is beautiful fermented too uh, pawpaw melon any of those sweet uh, high water content fruits if you ferment those and you only have to ferment them for 36 hours at the most uh, and what happens is the kombucha then goes through a second fermentation it starts to live off the fructose in the fruit and it'll then do go through a second fermentation and you end up with these lovely these lovely drinks that you just got now if i was to leave that longer for instance i was left to leave this pineapple one longer and that one we had the plum one earlier this morning longer it'll become more of a soda it'll become quite fizzy if you leave it go any further it becomes alcoholic so mm. you're going to be a real careful here that your ethyl alcohol will start to be produced yeah. and you'll know because you'll get this sort of fizziness on the end of your tongue mm-hmm. and you think no i'm not going to give that to a child <laughs> i will save that for a maybe tonight <laughs> but you can you can um, ferment it for kids but stick with strawberries or something sweet then they'll get into that well i really like this i really like this and then you can start experimenting and keep in mind, it's not just fruit you can do a double ferment on too. Kvass and uh, kanji are fermented vegetable products. Uh, you can use things like uh, black carrots or uh, heirloom carrots where you can steep in, uh, in a kombucha style mixture with a little bit of chili in there or whatever. And you can end up with these what they call these tonics You've probably heard of them, mm-hmm. uh, tonic drinks. And there's a myriad of them on, out there. If you go on, on Facebook or um, Google, you'll find them. There's a thousand of them. But kanji is very good. It's from North India. It's a very, very good tonic. Easy to make. Takes 36 hours to make. And you can get two ferments out of it. So if you, you do one ferment, you decant the liquid off, you leave a little bit in the bottom, top it up, and you can get a second ferment out of that. And when you think what that's going to cost you, it's three-tenths of bugger all. Mm. You go out and buy eight, nine bucks for a bottle of fizzy rubbish. You're making this for next to nothing. So this pineapple I've got in front of me, if I drank that all now, which I probably will, um, I can take that pineapple and I can ferment it again. So I get a couple of ferments out of that. And that pineapple cost me four bucks. It's an organic pineapple. cost me $4.50, a little one. And I'll probably get out of that pineapple two ferments. And out of that, I'll probably get four litres of of really good probiotic juice drinking yeah now you work that out you do the math on that and you you know it's four tenths of bugger all really um so it doesn't cost a lot of money it doesn't take a lot of work and you've got a very very nutritional drink um and that's what i try and say to people who haven't got a lot of money particularly pensioners i say you can make this for nothing it doesn't cost you a lot of money Mm. you know i mean you were saying earlier that you can go out and buy kombucha um, it's about it's about eight bucks a bottle, isn't it? Something like that. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Now, you can make kombucha at home for a, a fraction of that, and it's probably better. Yeah. Of now, course. I probably shouldn't be saying that because I'm going to be coming out with a commercial product, <laughs> 1910 kombucha. But there again, a lot of the, the 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 kombuchas you buy, I think, have been watered down as well. They don't seem to have the strength. Yeah, I in agree. Them. Um, so I'm going to bring out a kombucha that's 
you know, probably going to be a little bit expensive, but it's actually going to be, it'll taste like the one you make at home. Mm. Um, so Fantastic. Yeah. Um, and then quickly moving on, just conscious of time now. Um, the 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 second dish is that beautiful uh, milk kefir cheese. The one that you were hoeing into. Yes, the one I was hoeing into alongside <laughs> your fermented pickles. Yeah. Well, the fermented pickles. There is a there's a whole pickling course that I do on teaching how to make fermented pickles, and it's basically a cultured vegetable or a fermentation course that I do that shows you how to make um, like those beautiful pickles you had today. Um, and in fact, it's easy to do because one of my students came in to my last class. I was doing a beverage fermentation beverage class, and I did the pickling class a month or so before. And she brought some pickles in that I'd taught her how to make, and we had them for lunch. They were delicious. They were absolutely delicious. Crunchy, sweet. She'd done them with a little bit of honey as well, which is kind of nice. And uh, you can put honey in in pickles too. They give it a nice little sweet sour taste again. So what you had today was uh, fermented. Uh, pickles there again I have a recipe that is true and tested because you've just eaten it Mm -hmm. Um, you didn't have the onions today but the onions are actually fermented in um, a flat beer so there you go they're actually fermented Mm. in and they're called a beer onion and kind of long overdue in Australia I think a beer onion Mm -hmm. a fermented beer onion you know you're drinking fermented drinks like beer like a good beer and now, why wouldn't you have a, a really good onion with there it, you, you know? Yeah. Now, the, the, the cheese that you had was a, a milk kefir cheese. And when you, when you make kefir, what happens, you get these little grains, they're called kefir grains, and they convert the lactose over to lactate. And they coagulate. In other words, they separate into a, a whey and a curd. In fact, you can see one here. See the word separating? Mm-hmm. That clear liquid there is a whey, could be used as a starter actually for making sauerkraut. It's actually what they call a mother or a starter. The thick, the, 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 the sort of solid bit at the top and at the bottom to some degree is the, um, is the curd. And that's what you decant off to make the cheese. And what you do with the cheese is what I do with the cheese is that I wrap it in muslin and I put it in the fridge. And the fridge is a good way to dry things. A lot of people don't realise that, Mm. but we do it in cool rooms as well. You put things in there to dry them. People go, well, you put them in a fridge to dry them? Yeah, you do. It's one of the driest places to put them, Mm. and it's an odd thing to say. So it dries it off and gives it a bit of a crust, which allows it to keep fermenting as a cheese. Now, this cheese is probably about two weeks old, that's all. But it's got a really almost... um, old taste you were mm. saying earlier that's yeah. got a, um, an aged I think you yeah. said an aged taste it funny enough it does that I don't know why yeah. but you get that really aged taste and it has the consistency of Philadelphia cheese it's, but it's really creamy yeah really creamy really creamy now if, mix a few fresh uh, mix a few fresh chives into that uh, you could even toss a little bit of chili in there if you wanted to there's a thousand and one things you can do with yeah it thousand one and it's spreadable so you yep. get some really lovely crusty sourdough bread like we've got today and some really homemade pickles and if you wanted to some really lovely slices of homemade salami which i make i make a home i make a salami yep. as well <laughs> and it's and it's a it's a it's a it's a properly made salami it's not got rubbish in it most salamis are crap um but you, there's, there's actually one guy in sydney that makes proper salami i have to give you his details 
and you have some nice sliced salami and that is a that is probably one of the best plowman's lunches that, that you can have and there's no reason why that can't be served up in a restaurant yeah no it's good it's good stuff but i've never can, been to I a restaurant it, where i can, I can have see that. it working with numerous different different things on menus for sure yeah but you never see it yeah. on a menu yeah, now true. if i was to let that soft cheese uh keep you know keep fermenting i would then take it out of the fridge put new muslin on it and then i would paint it with an apple cider vinegar keep the mold off it and i put it in this little cupboard here behind you which is an old ice chest uh, an old food chest you know it's got the gauze on either side mm, yeah and i dry my cheeses in there and you end up with what we've got here is a is a is a hard cheese mm. now that started off as that and this becomes a like a parmesan and i had um, a soup last night a beautiful um vegetable soup that my wife made and I grated this onto the soup and it you, you smell it it smells just like palms yeah it's beautiful yeah so you can make a hard cheese and that's uh, six weeks there you go you know so it's, it's not hard to make so you have your, your, your kaffir grains produce your kaffir milk which you drink you probably want to drink that within 36 hours because it gets very tart uh, and then after that, if, you, if it rolls over then and you don't want to drink it anymore, you can let it split into the curds and whey. You can make a soft yogurt out of it. The, the precursor to this is yogurt, and you mix a bit of honey in with it, or you mix some lovely fruit that we've got here today in there, and you've got a beautiful yogurt. You can stick that on a birch or muesli or whatever. I haven't seen that done either. Let it go a little bit further. You're eating what you are today. Mm. Then you can have a camembert, so it's got a crust but a nice soft center. Then you end up with stuff that's you know that you could you know you could probably fire out of a gun. It's sort of yeah. solid, you know. But it's a good parmesan. It's a good grating cheese. Sure. But I've not seen any of this. Um, I've not seen this anywhere in Sydney. Yeah. Well. Anyway, hopefully. Um, yeah. I mean, as you say, there is a, a growing awareness and. Um, I think people are catching on when it comes to, you know, gut health and people are being conscious of their health more and more and it's starting to gain momentum and I think that what you're doing, educating people through your workshops and things like that, having people like me around to talk to you about it and... Um, Which I'm very grateful to. <laughs> producing, a, producing a product that people can buy and people can then go, you know, onto your social media and um, listen to your podcast and, and that education's a really great thing. Um I do have to wrap it up there because we've got to go see Nico. But um, we'll give him more again. <laughs> Steve, <laughs> Steve, thanks so much for being a part no, of this. No, thank you. Uh, thank you very much for the opportunity. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Steve Hogwood. He was a great guy. Great to chat to him. If you want to find out more about the 1910 Bottling Company, you can visit them online at the1910bottlingcompany.com where you can find info about Steve's workshops and about some of the products he has. You can also find them on social media, the 1910 Bottling Company on Facebook and 1910 Lifestyle on Instagram. Steve also actually has his own podcast, which is called Tucker Down Under, and that's available on iTunes and Stitcher. If you want to find out more about us, you can visit our website, quicksandfood.com, where you can get all the episodes of the Quicksand Food Connection that we've run in conjunction with this publication, the Southern Highlands Cookbook. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. So please visit us and get in touch. And we hope you enjoyed this conversation. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.